Advisory services offered through Prime Capital Investment Advisors, LLC, PCIA, a federally registered investment advisor, Overland Park, Kansas. The following or preceding commentaries and responses are the opinions of Jason Noble, Andy Merchant, and their guests, and are not necessarily the opinions of PCIA, are for informational and educational purposes only, and are not and should not be considered investment advice. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Welcome to 20 Minutes of Clarity, the podcast that focuses on strategies and ideas to answer the wealth questions you have, hosted by Prime Capital Wealth Advisors Jason Noble and Andy Merchant. As wealth advisors, they've spent years navigating the complex world of finance and wealth management for their clients. Each week, they share practical tips and insights to help you achieve your financial goals. Whether you're looking to start a business, build your investment portfolio, or simply improve your personal finances, the next 20 minutes promises to be informative, engaging, and most importantly, actionable. 20 Minutes of Clarity starts now. Welcome to 20 Minutes of Clarity. I'm your co-host, Jason Noble, and with me today, I have Andy Merchant, and we're getting into an important topic, especially this time of the year, which is around proactive tax planning. Now, I will say, Andy and I, we are qualified financial advisors, but we are not accountants. So do not take this as tax advice. It's just we see this on an ongoing basis working with our clients and business owners and and executives that have tax implications. And from a planning perspective, these are things that they need to do proactively. Andy, what would you like to add to that as well? No, I think you hit it right on the head at uh, too often times, right? We get our, our clients that come in and once you once you hit certain deadlines um, of the year, it's a matter of reaction um, and not being proactive. And part of you know our mission within the Clear Picture Wealth program is, is, is control. And we want to put our clients in as much control as they possibly can so that they're not surprised. So I'm really excited today. You know me, I'm kind of the tax guru when it comes to, to planning and taxes. So uh yes. Let's, let's, uh, I think this we're going to have fun with this. And this is, I mean, what a fun topic, right? But no, this is an important topic and we're going to dive right in. And there's going to be a three things that we're going to be looking at in our conversation. One is understanding the different types of income and how does that play into the overall planning part. The second thing is understanding ways that you could have um, lower your income, either through deductions or credits and things of that nature, which is such an important factor. And the third way is to really look at reviewing a tax plan as far as end of the year income that could be coming in, taxes, things that you could be doing for this tax year, but then also future tax years with things that are coming down the road and around the corner. So with those things being said, let's start off the, with the first one. There's really three different main ways to get income. Can you share those with us, Andy? Yeah, when we when we look at it, I think it's important for people to understand income because with an understanding of one of our, you know, your income, you're going to be able to better be more proactive in, in what areas that you might be able to take advantage of when it comes to tax code or better things in discussion uh, with your CPA. So really, there's three buckets that we look at. Bucket number one is going to be just earned income. Uh, you go to it's active. Uh, you're you're participating. You're going to your your job. It has the least uh, amount of, um, of, of, of tax deductions overall, but you are in the most control, right? Uh, to most degree. So active, active is what probably majority of people listen to. And we'll talk some ideas around that. The second bucket, which I know is becoming a lot more, um, growing in people's needs and wants and, and targets is passive income. Mm-hmm. You know, passive income can really come from a number of scales. It comes from everything from real estate ownership, 
to limited partners, you know, more of the accredited investor space. You know, but even if you boil it down, you know, dividend income on poor people's portfolio, their bank savings accounts, uh, the rewards they get on their credit cards, you know, those are all considered, you know, passive income. Uh, not all not all passive income is treated the same when it comes though to the tax code. Uh, but again, not giving advice is direction. And then the third one is benefits. You know, when you're talking about benefits, those are usually your your income that you have the least amount of control on it. So think about uh you know, uh, Social Security, uh, once you start it, it is what it is. Um, you know, you think about your pension income or your annuity income. So those are the three buckets when you're thinking about uh, about where your money is sourced from. Uh, I really help people just kind of jot down what is it's active on my tax return? What part of it's passive? And then what is it my benefit income? And then from there, we can start to look at clients and their tax strategy. You know, I'm going to I'm going to ask a question like you said, like, the the distributions is something that you have the least amount of control on. Maybe I maybe I misheard that, Andy. But what did you mean by that when you made that comment? Yeah, like when you're talking about Social Security, uh, for an example, you know, when when you go off and you file for your Social Security benefits, um, it's not like you can have any influence. It, you know, if you're going with active income, maybe you can lobby for a raise. You know, work a little harder. Uh, you know, chase that bonus. Uh, passive income, you could change your investment strategy when available, um, you know, maybe to a higher yielding. But some of these benefits, uh, annuity income, Social Security and pensions, you turn them on, they're on. And then it's yeah, up to their, their solvency of that. So you don't have a lot of control. Yeah. And, and you know, when I'm thinking about like Social Security, I, I think, you know, I'm not uh, a lot of people are not aware that Social Security can be subject to income tax. Yeah. And it could go up as 85% of your benefit could be subject to that tax, which is, which is quite remarkable. Um, and it could be rather a punch in the stomach when you first learn about it. So if you're learning about it now, I'm sorry. I'm already apologizing to you because I know I just knocked the wind out of you a little bit. But there's ways that you could offset that by having an appropriate approach for your distributions. We're going to touch on that as we get to the third section is like, what can you do now to lower taxes? But then how do you start preparing to lower taxes in future years? So, I mean, not to jump ahead, it's just like one of those things that I find so important. And so I want you to like stay tuned and stick around to the end so that you could be able to learn some of those things today. So when you have that time, you can start making those uh, proactive conversations and decisions with your trusted professionals. And when I'm saying trusted professionals, I'm talking like your financial advisor, your accountant, your lawyer at times, right? I mean, but this is the thing that I would say is I'm seeing more and more of me and you, Andy, leading these conversations with our clients and less uh, coming from the accountants. Not to say there's not accountants out there that 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 doesn't do this. I'm sure, I'm sure there are. I just don't see it as often as I once did. Are you seeing the same thing in Wichita? I mean, we're not. I mean, and I don't, I don't want to, you know, this isn't a plug against um, your tax professionals that are out there. The reality is, is that most tax professionals only get what the client brings to them. And, you know, proactive advice centric tax planning is not really something that's offered uh, in the masses or a scalable. It's a lot of time. There's some expense to it. And you generally have to be in a niche, whether it's real estate or a business owner, to really get that that services. So this is really more about what can you do as a client to bring the proactive questions 
to your CPA or your tax your tax partner ahead of the year so that they can be because the services are there. It's just not so, something. They so can let's do. let's bring that to the front now. Let's talk about some of the ways that you can reduce your income through the, either credits or deductions. What are some of those things, Andy? And like, what are those some of those questions that you were mentioning that we could be asking so that we could start getting those services? Thank you. I think you need to start with uh, with understanding the difference between deductions and credits. That's right. Uh, you know, um, deductions are going to be things that generally are going to reduce your income um, that you've earned and therefore put you into a to a different tax bracket. So think 401ks. Uh, you know, those are deductions that you're getting off your taxes for a future payment. Um, you know, you could have your HSA, you know, is another type of strategy. You're paying less taxes on it today. Uh, so that's just a, it's if you make one hundred thousand, you put we'll just use simple round numbers, 20,000 into a deferred based strategy. You're able to deduct that 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 income. Uh, you know, the other side is that we have the standard deduction and a lot of people may or may not be aware of the standard deduction that kind of changed the way that when we itemize. So when you when you do your taxes, we already have a standard deduction that's coming off and and not to quote the numbers, but it's it's a significant number. Uh, what people used to use was more itemized deductions in the past, but that's kind of really gotten a lot more limited. And we might not hit on that today, but it's really understanding deductions are things that reduce your, your income, therefore lower your taxes, where credits are going to be a direct offset of taxes owed. Um, things like child tax credits are out there, which are most of these are going to be income bases. But let's just say you owe 20000 in taxes and you can find a $10,000 tax credit then your taxes owed now is not 20, it's 10,000. So really understanding the two. But I think for the basis of most of our listeners and really just the, the tax environment right now, the standard deduction um, and, and having more of the deferral, donate, or, um, or, or you know, type of strategy is really what most people are, are going to be looking for in their tax returns. Andy, I think you brought up something that's really important. I just want to go a little bit deeper on. So we have what's called above the line deductions, and then we have below the line. I'll start by the easier one. Below the line deductions is a lot of people right now are using the standard deduction for the below the line. Okay. And it was just because of how much has gone up. But with the tax cut and job act coming expiring at the end of 2025, so in 2026, we should expect that standard deduction to go lower than where it is today. So then itemization be, may become very much way more popular than it is now. Um, this is where speaking with a qualified advisor and accountant could have more of these detailed conversations. But above the line deductions, the most popular ones are your retirement plan contributions, like into your 401k or 403b or 457. That's an above the line deduction. Another thing that you could be looking at is student loan interest. Now, and with student loan interest is up to a certain amount, especially, and then, and then from there, it's like income qualifications that come in there as well. Right. So like these things come into play, uh, healthcare related expenses. Um, so contributions into your HSA, health savings account, right, are fully deductible. But then what kind of other healthcare expenses, depending on uh, how much you're, you're spending? I mean, these are things that come into play where it has to be very personalized and specific to you. So if you're listening, you're like, oh, man, he's talking to me. Well, potentially, 
right? Maybe uh, you got to understand I've not done an analysis, nor have Andy done an analysis on you specifically. But these are the things that you should be looking at yourself to, to determine, do you have this conversation with your accountant and your advisor? Or does your advisor already have this information and bring this attention to you? And last but not least, you have business expenses. For those that are listening to business owners, this is not news to them, so I'm not going to spend too much more time on that, right, Andy? Why talk about if you are a business owner and you don't know that your business expenses are above the line deduction, stop what you're doing, pick up the phone, call Andy, give us a call, okay, so that we can have that more detailed conversation. Or just go to clearpitcherfinancial.com and register your information so we can reach out and have that dialogue with you. Yeah, but I want to organizing it, right, Jason? I mean, it's it's organizing your income and then and then preparing yourself to ask those questions. I can promise you that nobody that's listening wants to pay more taxes than we than our fair share. Um, and in many cases, we want to try to go below maybe our fair share. Um, you know, but the tax code was written for people to do that. And then we there are two things I was just going to highlight real quick. Yes, as, mm-hmm. as we jump into that, you know, these are these are a little one of those ones that if you've done this this year. Or if you're thinking about this, these are what to ask. You know, obviously, we all know about the big push of uh, electric vehicles, right? And I think, Jason, I think you've got one in the garage plugged in here and there. Um, but, you know, it's been a push. There are some um, electric vehicle tax credits. There are a tremendous amount of rules around that. So, one, if you bought an electric vehicle, the first thing you need to do is look at it. Uh, look at the rules around it and understand if you qualify for any of those tax credits on those. Secondly, if you're thinking about buying one, uh, read the rules first, um, because certain 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 cars don't qualify uh, based on pr- purchase price and other things. So if you're in the market for an electric vehicle or purchase one this year, research it, then ask your, your CPA or your tax advisors what what they're eligible for. Uh, so I think that's an interesting one kind of top of mind right now in, in kind of our market and our, our world right now. Uh, the second one, which is less commonly known, and I just want to spend a second on this because you do need to refer to your tax advisor and do some proactive planning. If you owe taxes and you kind of have an idea. So, Jason, you mentioned business owners who generally are paying um, into uh, through quarterly or whatever we may do. We already have an idea as a business owner what our potential tax liabilities are. Um, if you work in some of your markets, there's these things called state tax credits. Um, they're offered through certain investments. They're going to start, they always get kind of start popping up right now because everybody's starting to say, well, do I owe taxes? Um, but the quickest, simple uh, definition of it is there's certain tax credits that are issued um, through maybe an investment. Someone makes an investment into a qualified investment vehicle that provides a tax credit. But that person, for example, like, doesn't live in that state of where the business is providing the tax credit. So let's say Jason here, Right. And you go off and you buy into an investment here in Kansas and they issue you this wonderful Kansas state tax credit. That's not going to do you a lot of good over there in, in Charleston, right, in South Carolina. And so what a lot of the individuals with Jason could do is sell me his state tax credit. And so I, maybe he's got a ten thousand dollar tax credit that will he'll willing to sell it to me for maybe eighty five hundred bucks. He gets cash. I get it offset in my taxes. It's a win win. So. There's a lot of a lot of CPAs may have those. So if you do have maybe a projected state tax liability, that's a question to ask if there's any eligible. And again, every state's rule by rule different. So that's why we said earlier, this is not tax advice. It's questions asked. So I just want to throw those two unique ones um, out there. 
for this call. I love it, Andy. And and also, you know, we we mentioned in the first segment about the uh, different types of income. You you just touched into investments as well. So when it, when it comes to the passive uh, income, one of the things that I think that I'm very proud of just the way that you and I look at this mm-hmm. is on when it comes to passive investing, it's part of our three P's and looking at passive income as part of the analysis and a clear picture wealth program. However, they're all not built the same and they have different risk parameters mm-hmm. at a high level. Can you touch on like how we uh, start the initial due diligence on the risk parameters of these passive strategies. Because if you're listening and you're like, you know what, I need to start doing passive income strategies, but I don't know how to start, right? We're gonna touch on it today. We're gonna go into it a little, in another podcast down the road, more in depth. But Andy, you you and I have put a lot of effort into this. Can you share at a high level what is a thing or things that people should consider? Yeah, when we uh, we'll, we'll hit a minute of it. I think you're right. It's way more important for a future conversation. But the benefit of a lot of passive based investments is uh, they can be structured. Uh, you know, when you think about total return on a on a strategy, right, Jason? If we invest money, we're trying to get a total return. That total return is made up of growth and or income. And in a passive investment income, that can be structured in what's called a preferred return. Think of it like a dividend of a stock, but it's a preferred return that, you know, there's a lot of rules around it's why we don't have time. But if you were to find the right preferred return that is paying you income and they have some there's some tax advantages to where those could be treated as return of income. So it lowers your today bracket, uh, but you'll have to recapture it, which is a whole nother fun conversation. Um, But there's just some tax advantages that that come with passive investments that you don't have. You know, dividend income is going to be the 20 percent standard. Um, you know, dividend rate, there's some loopholes around making it higher or lower depending on your income. But um, but overall, passive investments are going to do that. We look at them uh, from a betting standpoint to find ones that, that give you the most tax advantage passive income. Um, and then, you know, whatever growth is whatever your risk profile needs to be uh, in time for it. And last but not least, we talked about some proactive things that you could be doing as you get towards the end of the year. One of those being, what is your projected income going to look like? I mean, this is the conversations that you're, you're going to be wanting to have with accountants in November, uh, early December. Uh, there may be a couple things that you could be doing or at least considering to lower tax implications if you're near a bracket. And so it starts with that. What is that projected income looking like? Well, if, yeah, um, if you don't write, if you don't know your income, how can you even know how much money you should contribute to your 401k for the end of year? Should you know about asking your your employer if you get a year in bonus, can that be is that eligible for deferral? You know, can you put into a deferred comp plan? Right. And if you don't know where your bracket is, how are you going to know? How are you going to be able to work? This is where I get super passionate. How are you going to know when you're working with your your, your advisor, if your advisor um, should be doing any kind of proactive tax loss harvesting? Um, you know, which is another conversation. So you have to know your income. Um, you know, right now we're working with all of our clients and we're working with our CPAs to run year end kind of projections. Just ask the question, call your CPA, call your tax preparer. If you do your own taxes, you can do it yourself. Get your W-2 statement, forecast the rest of it, figure out some of your investments from your investment advisors, 
and just forecast where you think you're going to be. Um, I think is just so important right now because we talked about credits. We talked about deduction limits we did, and, and some other strategies. But if you don't know your income, you don't know if you qualify for half these things. Exactly right. Well, the other thing I will say as far as being proactive on is I mentioned the tax code and job act expiring at the end of 2025 going in. So 2026 tax code law is supposed to be reverted back. To, I want to say to the 2017 numbers, right, Andy? 2017, I think it was. Yeah. But anyway, so what we're looking at is a, a lot of the brackets going higher, standard deductions going lower. <laughs> There's a lot of changes that are going on um, with that with that sunset provision that was in the tax cut and job act. So I have a uh, I'll, I'll share this quick story and example. I have this couple that they had a very low income this year. They retired at the beginning of the year. We were using assets in a, in a tax-efficient way to get that money to them so they could continue living the life that they want to live and do the things they wanted to do. But their tax liabilities this year are going to be really low. Great opportunity for us to consider Roth conversion. Had a meeting with the accountant uh, last week uh, to discuss the amount of the conversion. And it was interesting. I, I had to bring up the two-year look back on IRMA for Medicare. Um, cause I didn't want them to go into the higher threshold. Um, you know, and there's no way to know what that two year limit look back is until two years from now. So I just used the current numbers for this year. And, uh, the accountant was like, I love this. Like, this is okay. This is, this is the conversations that I've been waiting to have from, from my, uh, other clients' advisors. And I was like, well, I can't speak to them, but I could speak to the clients that I represent. And so we, we wrapped up that meeting and I was able to circle back with the client over what we were looking at and why and answer those questions. So we addressed the questions that they had and the ones that they didn't know to ask yet. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, the funny thing was, is I got a call from that accountant. He goes, hey, uh, I was talking to another client of mine. It looks like we share that the same client. That was the that was uh, that was funny to get that phone call because that particular couple that he called me on, I knew that they were switching accountants, but they wanted to let me know who they decided until after they made the decision, and I was like, "That's fine." Yeah. So I called the clients and I was like, "Hey, who did you decide to go with?" And sure enough, it was the accountant. I was like, "Hey, listen, him and I have other clients that we work with." You know, you okay if we get into a more detailed conversation over the tax analysis? So they sent us over, they sent me over their uh, 1040s um, along with all the uh, schedules. And I was able to use sophisticated tax planning software with them like I did my other clients. I can't wait now. And now that I got that report back, I can't wait to get that permission to share that report with that accountant and show the accountant like, I'm not just doing this for some of my clients. I'm doing this for the lot of my clients, especially my business owners and executives that we have more tax implications, more sophisticated tax analysis that we got to go into. I think it's going to show that uh, this accountant in particular, that there are advisors out there like you and I, Andy, that will go path just that we will go beyond just the balance sheet. We will go beyond just the investments and start looking at other aspects of people's financial lives, like their taxes, like their estate plans, like laws and regulations that come into play to help put more money in their pocket and less than Uncle Sam's. Andy, as we wrap up, 
What is the final word that you want to give our listeners? Hey, let me give a couple words because I know we're going to go late. You're in tax up. Make sure you're working with uh, CPAs on tax loss harvesting. That's a 1231 deadline. You can't do it next year and for this year. Um, the other thing is if you're out there required minimum distributions, uh, we didn't go into the details, but make sure you've taken your 2023 uh, RMD uh, or 22 uh, as that's going to kick up on there. If you've got any annual gift or deferred income or large 401ks. So those are the main things. Be proactive. That's my final word, Jason. Well, that was Andy Merchant. I'm Jason Noble of 20 Minutes of Clarity. Thank you for tuning in and listening. We appreciate it. We'll be back next week.